Hello and welcome to the 267 podcast. I am Ben. Currently, as Mike will be joining us later in the episode, in charge of the 267 project, <laughs> uh, joined by intern extraordinaire Alex Stone. It's me! Uh, and Ministry Development. I can't actually report your job title is. Yeah, that's it. Great. Executive worker. Executive, yeah, manager, uh, Ali Tatman, and special guest, our new friend, Rev Chris, is how I've seen you whoop, whoop. refer to online. <laughs> Rev Chris, yeah. yeah. Rev Chris 7. Yeah. It's <laughs> my tag. Yeah. yeah, I was researching and saw you doing all types of gymnastics and yeah. a lot of plugging of Instagram, which I enjoy. Um, <laughs> Ready to drop that yeah. video. Yeah, yeah, classic. It's um, good. But yeah, so... Thank you for having me on. Yeah. Do you want to, just for people who might not know you, who regularly listen to the podcast, give a brief... Yeah, okay. A uh, little bit about who me. Who am I? So, I am a husband to my wife, Jenny. I'm the father of two girls, uh, Rose and Saoirse. Um, I'm a vicar in West London. Um, St. Saviour's Wendell Park, if you're in London. And um, I'm also an influencer, um, for Christ, uh, <laughs> on Instagram. And uh, I am a regular uh, kind of guest on a YouTube channel that uh, my friends run. And um, that has basically given me a, a very large reach around the world. And so I, um, I've been on a lot of YouTube videos and have about 350, uh, 400 million views on the videos that I've been in. And that led me to have a, a kind of, a lot of people finding me on Instagram, a lot of people navigating to me. And, um, and that led me to develop uh, a large following on Instagram. And I, and I started a thing called 60 Second Sermons, which is um, a kind of a way, a bite-sized kind of gospel message for young people. Um, and yeah, now I've just started my own kind of really um, <laughs> low-grade YouTube channel where I load up little um, longer thoughts um, on YouTube. So uh, yeah, and that's that's led me to that's opened a few doors, and um, I've got I had a book deal with Penguin and was able to write a kind of a Christian flavoring into a secular self-help world, which is really great. And that got launched last year, called the OMG Effect. And, uh, and yeah, I, uh, BBC Radio 2 asked me to do pause for thought at ridiculous o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so I have to get up very early and um, do a pause for thought. What is your version of a ridiculous o'clock? Ooh, 5.40 a.m. Oh, I mean, I've got two kids, so yeah, I've been up yeah. that early yeah. before, but it's not nice having to set an alarm to get up that early. <laughs> I was going to say, it's always like... Tell it's actually early when people with kids say I got up. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and then not only that, you're live on BBC Radio mm-hmm. too, so you you kind of you can't be like oh I, yeah can't be <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's Vanessa Phelps' show, so she's all like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, um, that's that's me. It's kind of a crazy weird um, path of where the Lord has taken me, but it's exciting. Uh, yeah, and I guess sort of. Obviously, lots of interesting things there, but the thing that mm. when I was sort of reading up on you a bit and stalking you online, uh, mm. the thing that interested me was there was sort of this, I don't want to say conflict because it mm. wasn't, but you sort of, seeing someone who's very like social media based, mm. I sort of went on expecting a lot of very sort of modern language, but when I was sort of reading on you and so on, I sort of 
word monastic came up a lot, mm. and Franciscan, mm. and uh, things like that. Mm. Um, and I guess, especially with youth, I think often that sort of, again, I'm going to use the torturous word for conflict, mm. of like traditional Christian yeah. life versus this sort of modern mm. social media fueled like mm. world. Uh, so I guess that's what we wanted to come and chat to you about today. Yeah, great. Actually, you seem to be a bit of an expert. Well, I mean, I'm on a journey, and um, <laughs> so I mean, the, the young Franciscans um, started uh, when I first became vicar here um, in Saint Saviour's, and I just thought I'm not as far along in my own spiritual development as I'd like to be, and I'd like to have a structure around me that helps me with more disciplined living and prayer life and things like that. And I was hungry. I've always loved the monastic, the Desert Fathers. You know, if I'm going to pick up a Christian book, even though I've kind of written one, I will usually look to Desert Fathers or people in the past who've kind of given their whole lives rather than, um, you know, like Judah Smith, who I think is cool, uh, but uh, the modern day preachers are less um, interesting to me in a way. I so, guess it would be weird if you picked up your own book for yeah, inspiration. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. I mean, <laughs> I mean you do, when you do write or you preach, you, you tend to do you two preached yourself but yeah so I, I've always had this hunger and this thirst for uh, a deeper spirituality and I think a lot of people don't even know what spirituality is or what their spirituality is and um, they'll be like oh I believe in God and I believe in the Holy Spirit but what does spirituality mean for you do you know what I mean like I think that is a question that a lot of people don't ask themselves so I wanted to have a lens that helped me live holistically as a Christian in a way that, that the way I outlook everything is affected by um, my spirituality, my view of the world, my understanding. And I think St. Francis of Assisi was someone who was able to hold together um, kind of a very charismatic outlook, kind of, you know, evangelical outlook, uh, a Catholic outlook, spirituality, and a kind of contemplative silence. And, um, and was able to lead the church in a time where it was really um, it was problematic it was kind of fat cats and, and wealth and he kind of came along and was like well actually let's get back to the gospel so he was an inspiration for me and then basically I went on this journey thinking how do I, I think a lot of young people a lot of people are hungry for a, a deeper relationship with Christ and where is the net for that so um, I looked into becoming a third order Franciscan I'm now a third order Franciscan. They give you a cool little cross. Wow. <laughs> if you're on the podcast, you can't see this, but it's, it's a little brown cross. Anyway, uh, so I went along and he was like two or three years of, of uh, discernment and training and things. And anyway, then I got professed into this third order. So I'm part of a monastic order. And at the same time as doing that, I started the young Franciscans. And um, nine people I asked, all of them said yes. Um, so it showed straight away that there was this, oh, well, didn't, there was a hunger. And what we did is we formed a rule of life based on 10 principles that I came up with based around the principles of the Franciscans, which there were nine of those. And then um, we gathered and we, made, we each made a personal rule of life based on these principles. And then we'd meet every evening, um, not every, uh, once a week to come in this chapel actually and do kind of more contemplative service. So candlelit, quite dark and a rhythm of silence and prayer. And yeah, it just helped us go deeper, you know, taking our faith past an emotional-based faith, which is like, oh, I feel good, or I'm worshiping great, mm -hmm. but to a deeper place. 
and um, yeah, and then it grew, and and then I developed a residential program. So we had two years of people living next to us in a rhythm of life, a rhythm of prayer, a rhythm of life, that they developed um, a house rule, not a personal rule. So they, had, as a house, they came together and they they formed this rule, um, and that was good for two years it was to be honest stressful living in community is tough yeah um and you learn the frustrations and the idiosyncrasies of others but hopefully that teaches you that you've probably got your own and it gives you more grace for each other and then you you know you move forward but it was good learning experience and you know everyone loved we developed a little chapel in there and we prayed together and stuff and that was great and then that COVID hit and, you know, and stopped a lot of stuff. And we decided to stop the residential program, but continue the dispersed program. Mm. So we, we were meeting on Zoom, actually, um, before, uh, w- once a week anyway, before COVID hit, before the cool kids became Zoom everywhere. <laughs> we were like, I didn't even know about it. And we were like, oh, we should just do this, this is conferencing online thing. And then, it, you know, Zoom became massive but we were anyway we're doing it for a while and, and now everything's on zoom uh, in our young franciscans because we've got people who live in america and northern ireland and france and different parts in germany and uh, we had three girls from russia for a while and um yeah so the young franciscans now meet once a week uh for compline so that's night prayer um and we chat community and then once a month there's a teaching so last week we had a, a first order friar, so someone who's like devoted their whole life to uh, poverty, chastity, and obedience, and in the Franciscan vein. So they live in the community, and he taught us on ecology, so care of creation and climate crisis that we're in. Because for Franciscans, that is a huge like creation is a reflection and bursting with God's glory, and so we're called to shepherd it. Um, yeah, so yeah, it's a little bit about the Franciscans. It was one of those things that I was researching mm. the different distance and sort of when I saw it, I was like, mm. it's kind of mad that this hasn't been a thing already. Like, yeah. when I was looking at it, it just seemed, yeah. Makes sense. It was that great balance that we've been talking about of, like, I guess it's the thing of, you know, you're using modern technology, it's a modern community of people dispersed all over the world, which I've had a similar thing with a home group I've done, which you think this just wouldn't have been possible even like five years ago to have this group of people mm. all communicating and living and sharing faith together. But yeah, in the Franciscan thing, especially like just the teachings, I think they're great because they're just so, like, they're kind of simple in a way and there's so much depth to them. Yeah, and then one of the major, the three major principles of Franciscanism are love, joy and humility. Yeah. So those are the things that attracted me straight away because Francis was always considered like a holy fool, a fool for the Lord. So he had this joyfulness and this playfulness that was childlike in many ways. And um, it was just great to be, you know, there's a humility that that comes from that that I think is really exciting. And sometimes when you think of like the monastic kind of traditions, you think of really intense people. And actually, if you ever go to a community, they're usually really joyful and happy. You know, the spirit, you know, one of the major fruits of the spirit is joy. So, um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was attractive because there are other traditions like the Benedictines and the Jesuits and things like that. And the Benedictines are, are a little bit more uh, pristine. I don't know. Yeah. They're, 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 <laughs> That's they're, a good word for yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> they're, 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 they're very uh, prayerful and, and that's great. But they, they feel quite clean cut. And then the Jesuits are really booky. 
um, you know, they're very intellectual and um, uh, do a lot of study in theology and have influenced the church through their kind of atonement theories and things like that. But um, the, the Franciscans were a bit more like, you know, there's a, there's a joke that goes something like, if you, were, if you, meet, if you go to a, 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 a Jesuit, they say, oh, come see our library. And if you go to a Benedictine, they'll say, oh, come see our chapel. And if you go to a Franciscan, they'll say, come see the kitchen, have a cup of tea. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there's that vibe of Franciscanism that is appealing. And yeah, and I, I think young people are, like I said, I think they're searching for depth and they're searching for identity. And I think that spirituality can help that. And we call it what I call it, um, a spiritual scaffolding. So it's not, you know, these rules of life aren't meant to be like, um, you know, uh, handcuffs or you know, straitjackets for your life. They're meant to be a scaffolding structure that allows you to look and act and think and see in different ways in your whole life. And if you need to shift it, you can shift it like a scaffolding. Um, so it's not meant to be a burden. It's meant to be help you to, you know, be free. I guess, and um, Alex might have some insight on this as well, uh, the thing I kept thinking about when I was sort of planning out what I wanted to chat to you about today was um, a conversation I think we keep having with young people uh, is almost this sort of wanting to be detached from the church, sort of have faith and then church and mm. uh, sort of move the tradition away and it's much more into personal faith. Uh, mm. We talked to our friend Phoebe uh, on the podcast ages ago, who she was a youth when, but is now at uni, who was very much saying that's how she sort of has her faith. She's not really involved in the church as an mm. organisation, I guess, at all, mm. but would still, you know... Oh, Phoebe. Oh, Phoebe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, Phoebe. Uh, but still will come and, you know, yeah, sure. you'll chat to her for a bit and you might get more wisdom from her than you yeah. might get from a Sunday service sometimes. Yeah, there, yeah. I mean, yeah, there's, there's a lot you can say on those kind of things. Firstly, like, I understand people like Phoebe. You know, the church is been hypocritical it's been problematic it's been quite cliquey mm -hmm. people have been hurt you know well-meaning christians say stupid things and um you know the world can look at us and be like what and, and also you can associate the church with you know structure and hierarchy and politics and you know and, and it's like it becomes messy but i would say you need to get past all that crap and you need to be like well, what's the point of the church and the point of the church, I think, is to lead God's people in right worship, is to teach them how to understand who God is and to help them to live lives that are pointed towards God in kind of correct worship and, and, and living ways. Now, one criticism I would have of the, the Phoebes of the world, and sorry, for, <laughs> sorry for picking on you, Phoebe, if you listen to this, <laughs> is that often... The criticism of oh I'm you know I believe in God and I'm spiritual, but I don't really go to church. That sometimes cries of I don't want to come into a place that requires something of me or requires authority. I don't like to come under authority. And young people struggle with that because they're like oh I'm you know a lot of today's culture is like I want the biggest thing that they want is freedom, um, um, freedom to choose, right? I want freedom to choose. And that's the biggest thing that society pushes. But what we lack on that is, is, is 
the mo- more important thing is choosing the right thing. <laughs> and, um, and so that gets lost sometimes in this push for I want freedom of choice rather than actually I want to choose what the right thing is. You and I think... Try so, and choose correctly. <laughs> yeah, choose correctly. But so the, I think the, the beauty of Jesus, the beauty of what the church is, is it, it, it says it gathers together people from all different backgrounds. Like there's not really an organisation that you have rich and poor, young and old, black, white, and every other colour, and just puts you together, and you're all bound by this one thing, which is love for God. And a a healthy church should demographically be all over the place. Mm -hmm. Like, if you were to snapshot a church, and you you were like, what are this? You'd you'd have to be like, what on earth is that group of people? That should be, that's like a healthy church. But, um, yeah, I mean, we should be there loving people, serving the poor, encouraging one another, and the community of faith should be something spirit-filled that you are part of because you you bring something to it. You are a, a son or a daughter of God who the Spirit of God can fill and you can bless someone. And likewise, the group around you should be able to bless you. So there's, you know, and God loves it when his people come together in unity. You know, it's throughout the Bible. And, you know, early on, Moses says to Pharaoh, you know, I'm going to bring the people out into the desert. And God says, bring the people out into the desert to worship me. You know, that's the first thing they do is that they're brought together out in the desert to worship him. So, yeah, we're, we're called to gather together and not to cease to, you know, Paul says, don't cease, you know, gathering together. I think it kind of links in with what you mentioned earlier about community. I mean, I've been a really Christian for like four years, mm. but my understanding of church is community and mm. even when it is difficult to mm. learn to be in that mm. and to love people when it's hard and to allow yourself to be loved as yeah. well. I was yeah. going to ask you actually yeah. about because obviously we're talking about young people and mm. why they might be moving away from the church but whenever you're speaking about the church it's very sort of affectionate I guess sort of you have this real affection for the church so what was the thing outside of just I believe in God that drew to the church specifically? Good question what drew me to the church? Originally, um, it was because everyone I had around me just wanted to do destructive things and I didn't have an option of good people to do stuff with. And I think I wanted, I recognised I wanted like good friends and a good community, I suppose, because mm. I didn't have like, a healthy background, mm. healthy friend, uh, friends. Mm. Um, so then I was drawn to the church and mm. then a little while into my journey, I then came to the realisation that these people are broken too. Mm. So I had to wrestle and struggle with that and experience church hurt, but then push through that and realise, okay, mm. you know, God can heal us when that happens. Mm. And it's actually just about being committed and loving mm. these people just the way that Jesus loved me. Mm. Also for listeners, Mike Payne, what time do you call this? <laughs> <laughs> Joining the podcast in mm. Deal with people. Mm. Yeah, busy man. <laughs> And Alex, you, I think, also recently had, uh, you left the church recently, yeah, haven't yeah, you? Which we so don't need to go into the reasoning <laughs> behind and drama and things, but um, how do you find that sort of, do you feel like you're being like drawn back into the church, or have you actually been, actually now I've left the church, I'm kind of... I, th- I think it's strange, because I've noticed that um, the church has been a really good way to... Um, do like corporate worship and be around people and and do life in that way but I think being in in a transition period of going between churches and finding Mm. a new one um, it's given me a really good opportunity to look at my faith 
almost behind closed doors and actually mm. see like what is my faith when I'm not being watched by people and I don't have a youth group leader and all this sort of stuff so I think mm. as much as I'm enjoying figuring out what my faith is for me I think and you hear all those sermons about it like the church is the people the church mm. is the people and not the building but I think I I miss I don't know corporate worship and I miss mm. those sermons and I miss home group and things like that so I think I'm still trying to figure out what church should look like for me and because I guess there's so many denominations that I still struggle to like Mm. almost fit a box but I I don't know whether it's about that do you know what I mean Mm -hmm. I'm sorry you've been hurt by a church Mm. Mm. I mean it's strange because I understand that the church is divided Mm. and I mean if it's not in God's hands, mm. it's in people's hands, and obviously mm. it's going to be broken that way. Mm. But I think, yeah, it's it's strange because I don't want to criticise the church, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the church has a lot to answer for. Mm. It's not perfect, um, and when when it works, when it does well, it's amazing. Mm. But when it's bad, <laughs> it's corrosive. Mm. And yeah, certainly there's some places that I would steer my daughters well clear of certain mm. church communities but um yeah i i i do i love church you know i i think you know if if you guys were to say to me hey chris uh, it's really lovely to meet you i really hate your wife i'd be like oh what and i wouldn't i'd be like odd but you know the church is the bride of christ so like that's where i think we've got to get to a place of what is the core of mm. church and there's such beauty in it like the 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 church is a beautiful bride mm. when it's doing its job and um we are called to fall in love with it i think as well but um yeah it can you can get stuff wrong and people get hurt and it's and it's it's a hard place it can be a really really hard place and um like i said earlier well-meaning christians say stupid stuff <laughs> but I mean I would also like you know to you and to others who may be listening I would also say, I would just say be wise the enemy loves to divide mm-hmm. he loves to separate us and isolate us tell us we're alone and um, and then our faith can become ours but then it becomes just quite can become quite fragile mm-hmm. and splintered and then we suddenly are like, well, I'm not sure I really believed anyway. And then we're gone. We drifted and we're, we're away. So I would be wise to the enemy's tactics of divide and conquer. Um, but also, yeah, be wise with your heart. Um, and you need to, you've only got one. So mm. you need to protect it. And if you're in a very destructive place, then yeah. you should potentially move, move to another place. Chris, can I ask you what you think the church can offer the world in terms of a, a spiritual maybe worship mm. environment well I just I think we can offer the world you know things like feeding them and clothing mm. and all those things but in terms of the sort of uh, the things we would call worship and those spiritual conversations what do you think the church can offer the world and maybe what the world needs mm. gosh go on Chris heal the world <laughs> make it a better thing <laughs> Yeah, the entire human race. Uh, gosh. Yeah, I mean. We've driven to London together, so it's a Yeah. 
I think, um, I, I don't know. I mean, I think uh, the gospel, the gospel, I think, teaches us who we are and and identity is is this gift from god mm. and i think the the world starves for that sense of who they are and um and you know why we're here and i think the church's role is to speak the gospel into that space and say you are who god says you are and who god says you are is that you are loved and precious that the the deepest you is divine that um, God's breathed on humanity and creation and then mm-hmm. and gave it life and gave you life and says, you know, I love you so much that even when you, you know, you left me, you turned away from me, I came to die for you. So I think the church's role is to say, you are amazing and you are saved and loved by a precious God who created you. And then from, from that place, lead lead people into well what does then how do i then honor and worship that god and the church uh i think you know like i said this recently like um god doesn't choose us because of our potential like i think potential is overrated jesus didn't live up to his potential if you think about who jesus was he was fully god fully man he walked on water, raised the dead, um, you know, gave sight to the blind, healed people, fed 5,000 people. He could cast a, a mountain into the sea if he wanted. And he died alone, rejected, and his 12 followers denied him. Um, you know, one of them denied him the day he said he would willingly die for him. They fled and he died alone on a cross. That was not his potential. You know, but what it was, was obedience. And it was his worship of the Father to say to the Father, not my will, your will. And I think that that is the greatest thing that we can do, is the only thing that we can really give God that isn't his already, is our will. It's the, it's the one thing given to us as humans that is ours, and God freely gives it to us, he says. You have your will. And with that, you can reject him. But everything else is God's, but our will is ours. And I think what the church can teach is that that's the one thing that God wants you to offer back, to say, your will be done. And, you know, that's why I'm a big proponent of the Eucharist. I think it's lost on a lot of young people, if I'm honest. Because what is, what is the Eucharist? It is... It is the remembrance of Christ on the cross. And it is the remembrance that the greatest act of worship was the obedience of the Son to the Father. And that act was him dying on the cross. And so when you're taking the bread and you're taking the wine, you are saying, I'm following the greatest act of worship. And Jesus said, you know, not my will, but you'll be done. Take this cup from me. But you can do it. But he, he drank the cup. And then at communion, we're offered the cup. And we're set, you know, are we willing to drink it? So I think, yeah, the church is to firstly teach us that we are God's children and we're loved and precious. And the second thing is to show us how to then worship him. And that's by offering our will back to God.
That's quite a powerful thing, isn't it? Because mm. we're such control freaks as humans. Mm. To, to say that you're the one done is mm. such a weighty statement. I think probably this last year and a half will show us mm. just how out of control to a degree we are that we can't control. And actually, there is that sort of sense of actually, if I'm going to give anything over to anyone, to give it to the God that mm. loves me is so freeing. Mm. Whereas at the moment, we're so like, Yeah, I think it's a really interesting question, and I think it is one that the that the lockdown has taught us that we that people are hungry more for. People are hungry for God; they're not just hungry for like churchiness. They're hungry for God. So, like, how do we offer? How do we how do we expose them to the to the ability to receive God? And I think yeah, space, silence, contemplation—they're massively important. I think you know, for our church. We've been sat down for a year and a half, you know, before someone's been playing music on the edge of their bed. And uh, so we're all learning what it means to worship again. So what we do is we, you know, I try and lead in that space. So I think it's a, it's an, it's a, it's a responsibility of the leader to um, give permission to show um, um, that we don't have to be rushed, you know, uh, was it young or someone said the, um, he said uh, rushing isn't of the devil it is the devil wow. so um, the sense of being rushed and forced and the next thing is like you know we, we struggle to allow our souls to catch up with us we just need to stop <laughs> so um, yeah so I think partly is the leader of the service needs to hold the space and be like okay we're just gonna let's just have some moment as we gather ourselves and we recognize where we are and we have that sense of we're in God's presence. So as you lead, start. What we do in our services, we have what's called a reflection period. So after the sermon, we, we just have some space. And usually we, we have a musician who just, we actually really bless because we've got the Royal College of Music just down the road. So we've got like top world-class musicians. So they'll They'll play an instrumental piece um, and we'll just sit and listen to it and wow. be in that space. And then we go on to other worship songs after that. But yeah, I think, um, I think looking to the future as well, we are going to be learning new patterns of church. Mm. I don't know if you guys know like Teze and stuff, mm. but like their pattern of church is less about collectedness on a, on a Sunday every week, but more about an occasional gathered space to worship together in a more contemplative way and I think that's a model of church I think you know at the moment we see church as club and classroom mm. so like you're a club that gathers together and you do stuff or you're a classroom where you come and you someone teaches you from the front and you go and implement it at home and they're inherited models 
So what is the church? It's and so tied to a physical location as well, isn't it? And I think yeah. we need to get away from that. Yeah, I mean, I... Go to church, I Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I... Just to push back a little bit on that, I, I enjoy holy space. I, I, my, I, I'm physical. So you say you go out and walk, I do that. But f- that speaks to me of you being a space person. But, f- but that for me means that I like to go to space. Okay. And so things that are set apart for a specific action or thing that I've, I find are really helpful. So like whenever I've lived in a house, I develop a kind of space where I sit and pray or a chapel space or a, a room or a part of a room. That is my space. Of course, I can pray wherever I am and do, and I do that. But to have a place that I'm like, this is where I do that, I find really helpful. So, um, yeah, it's just bricks and mortar, but holiness, the root of holiness, it, it means set apart. And so I like places like churches that are set apart in a world where it's like, rushing and this and that and the other to have a place where it's like this place is dedicated to God Um, I like that so I enjoy good space and like cathedrals or beautiful Mm -hmm. churches or you know I just sit in and sometimes you go into a place and it almost sucks prayer out of you you're like wow this is just want to sit here Um, and some churches have that or you know certain places have that you know they call them thin places in the Celtic Mm -hmm. tradition Um, and then some don't some are more corporate and you know <laughs> whatever but and that's where history comes in when you've had someone's worship there for thousands of years yeah you sort of there is something spiritual yeah it affects the walls yeah it? so what's going on in the same way like a lot of Christians will agree if you get to the top of the mountain there's mm-hmm. something about just being really high like maybe it's just perspective yeah. I don't know it's interesting like why did Jesus keep going up mountains yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like biblically in like mountain places we're always meeting places with God there's something going on there yeah. This space and like the desert, the desert has always been a formational space, right? And we're physical beings, so like we, you know, what we do with our body affects us, you know, our posture affects our openness or closeness to God. Not like wholly, completely, but it does have an effect. Mm. So, like, how we posture ourselves affects where we, and so I think you know, you can involve that to the places we go, with, you know, our actions mean something, and you know, the our spirit and our body is so intertwined it's not like you have this like one part flesh one part spirit it's like it's it's part of a whole being is intertwined and you know our resurrection bodies are physical bodies just permeated by the spirit so i think like the world and you know how we are how we act and interact and i think it's it's powerful it's spiritual Mm. you know everything is affected so, I don't know. It seems you talk to a lot of youth workers and they, and they say it's the importance of a physical space because they're mm. on so many levels. So, so you created your same studio, you know, with your year a lot more. And we talked about how we physically, and I think it's really important that we sort of forget that. It almost mm. speaks into what you're saying about mm. the physical relation. People say, oh, the physical location is a matter, you can meet anywhere. Mm. Mm. One level you can, but yeah. actually, there's something quite yeah. good about a home and mm. space. Uh, yeah, and na- naming it, you yeah. know, that is, you know, that is for that. It's like a shelter, isn't it, from yeah. the outside world or whatever case mm. that you're coming mm. from. Mm. I think especially for people sort of coming into faith and coming into the church, there is something significant about having 
my space or for God, this is God's space mm. like, to walk into. Mm. I remember really clearly um, last year, I was climbing about in Snowdonia, because I go to Union West, mm. uh, with one of my friends who, that when I said I go to church, their response was, I didn't know people still did that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which I enjoyed. Yeah. So funny when you meet people like that. I had, I had a purple woman in here, we were doing packaging for like food bank stuff um, over Christmas. And I'm lit, I'm the priest, right? And she was like, "You believe in God, <laughs> you know?" And it was like, "Yes, <laughs> yeah." It's like, "Really?" You know? And you're like, "Yes, yeah." Like, yeah. So it's not the tooth fairy, darling. It's like real. Yeah. But yeah, we got to the top of um, Bang Mountain, which is more of a big hill, but we'll call it a mountain. Yeah, sure. Uh, and I was just saying to them, because we'd been talking a lot about their life and the things that they were really stressed about, and yeah. I said, I really like to pray at the top of the mountains. Would you, I know you don't believe in any of that, but you're welcome to just join oh, well, in. Oh, well done. And yes. they said, yeah, uh, I'll do that. But they were a bit hesitant. And then sort of at the end, I was like, oh, how did you find that? And they were like, nothing really happened. <laughs> However, I do feel like I know exactly what I need to do now, and also I have an image of exactly yeah. what <laughs> I was like, really, nothing happened. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah, that was very interesting. And so there is something about that sort of bringing someone into a space that's set apart from their normal life, maybe, mm. that's just. Yeah. Gives them space to think. Yeah, know. I mean, and also, like, God visits spaces. <laughs> you know, like, Jesus was in time, in space, and the temple in the Old Testament was a space that God said, I will fill. Mm. Um, obviously, the Holy Spirit, then from that place, is like descends on all and you know we have the ability to access God and be brought into his presence anywhere and that's part of the promise of the new covenant but I, I still think it's a it's a wonderful thing that God chooses to meet his people and where his people are we gather to meet him but yeah anyway well I, I've been thinking while we've been talking about space mm. and, and church mm. I'm still left with a question about the the Franciscan almost life as it were yeah, like sure. how does that manifest itself because there's a lot about yeah. concepts and ideas but for someone that hasn't always been a Christian mm. and um, I think of a Christian lifestyle as something that's quite abstract mm. how does a Franciscan life almost manifest itself mm. yeah it's a good question um, so the principles like help us so a principle for instance of care of creation like francis of assisi wrote this called it's called the canticle of creation and he refers to you know brother sun sister moon and um brother flame and he talks about creation being connected in a way um with us in a very in in in, in a in a way that speaks i think powerfully to see God in and through creation. Um, it's not that, it's not like, it's not like a, you know, a, in a sense like, a, what do they call it, new age spirituality, where it's like, God is the leaf, you know, it's not like that. God is this tree. Um, it's more like you see the creation and its, its beauty and its purpose reflects God and it, it draws you to praise God. Um, so you're drawn through through these um, things. They aren't God themselves, but they there's aspects 
in a sense of the divine within them, through them, that draws you mm. to praise yeah. God. So that's one thing is like seeing creation as, 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 as something reflecting the divine. So when you're out, you're like, oh wow, like the ants and the plants and the, you can be like, this teaches me something of the divine. Like we, are, we often have an arrogance as humans that, and we find this in Christianity a lot, where we believe that we are, um, it's all about us right and it's it's not just about us it's about creation and john three sixteen, god so loved the world that he sent his only son um whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life what the word for god so loved the world is actually i think the better translation is like cosmos so it's like god loves creation and we are the crown of that creation we are the ones who are called very good yes so we have a special place but God still loves creation, you know, and, and his, he, he, um, he wants us to care for it. And, you know, one of, the first, one of the first things that we're told is, you know, go and care of the earth or take care of the earth, till the land. Sadly, I mean, I think sometimes it's like subdue the earth and we get this mm. thing that... But I think Rowan Williams said that we, humanity sees the earth as a big warehouse full of stuff that is there for our use. And it's it's not, you know, we were called to shepherd it, um, and we're called, you know, shepherds of the earth, really. So, um, yeah, we need to do that in the right way. I'm not saying like you know, tree hugging and being a bit weird, but just actually seeing creation as like part of God's uh, thing. So that's one thing. Mm. It's just how you so a careful creation. I suppose a, another thing is um, uh, simplicity. You know, um, having a level of simplicity, and it's a struggle. You know, I'm wearing a new, nice new pair of trainers, and my wife was like, "Hey, Franciscan, you know, did you think about whether you? Because we we buy, try to think about buying out of need more than just want." Mm. Not to be fun with kids. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, well, I imagine if they've grown up in that sort of environment, I imagine it's sort of led into. What if they? Sort of your house culture, I guess. Well, I don't know. I don't know if I'm good enough to be good at it, but <laughs> we're trying. But it's just, it's just having that question of like, okay, do I need this, or if I just want this, like, um, and not like being all like holier than thou, and no, but just asking yourself and thinking like that, um, uh, and questioning yourself is a, is a good thing. And then, um, uh, I, you know, the poor and and. Um, Having a care for poor, the poor, seeing yourself in 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 brotherhood, in kinship with the poor. Uh, so you're not better than them, and you're not you're not for them. You're with them, um, and they are you, and you are them. So how you view that, I suppose. Um, yeah, and and I I don't know. Are you you learn, you just need reading about Francis and reading about how he lived and how he did and how he went about and it you know it filters in and it infects you and you know maybe that will affect the way that you live. Um, but yeah, it's um, and then you know the principles that we have are study and um, getting a, a spiritual director and retreat and obedience and uh, charity mission giving things like that. So you you kind of you know, you, you put things in place that help you ask yourself the questions mm. that maybe you need to be asking 
when it when it comes to your finance and when it comes to how you treat others when it comes to your impact on the world around you mm. so i mean none of it seems controversial because i can actually yeah. attest to the fact that mm. more often than not i've seen god in god's creation mm. and mm. Uh, during service like when i'm actually helping people and, and mm. seeing how god Mm. shines through that. Mm. So that's really interesting. One of the controversies that every Christian said that we want to, that if you go to follow it, it's nothing to do with Sunday morning gatherings. Mm. <laughs> you know, there's, there's obviously there is a silent crossover, but actually yeah. what we're talking about is this sort of whole life. Again, it's not mm. club I join, it's not. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we have a, yeah, we have a model, don't we, of church, which is yeah. I do my week and then I go to a building yeah. and like that isn't, the, the Christian model should be I'm living my week, yeah. and you know, and then I'm going out to do some, to serve. So, um, you know, that that's that's the that's again the monastic tradition is like you don't you live in in the place where you worship every day, Absolutely. and then you go out to to work the land or whatever. But you know, we reversed it, and we you know I do my job, I go out with my mates, and do whatever I like when I want, and then and then on Sunday I'll go and I'll do my God bit. Which is really interesting because we've really seen mm. a, a group of, particularly this last couple of years, we're a group of young people where they would really fall into that category of this is my community, my tribe, this is what I, mm. and I, I am living this way in it and I'm not sort of separating mm. it. And I think it is a model that the church sometimes doesn't help because mm. we make it about the Sunday gathering rather than the whole week. Mm. And I think you're right, it'd be really good to explore that with groups of people and say, actually, Lots of churches are, uh, I was talking to a church, uh, two conversations with two church leaders yesterday about their church thinking about developing rules of life yeah. and like a community rule, like how, how, do, how are we, for, you know, and it, it's not, like I said, it's not about burdening yourself, it's about allowing yourself mm-hmm. to, to live, be- live better, yeah. live in a better way, to go, oh, actually, we've chosen to do this, haven't we? And so you know having rules of life having church rules things like that sometimes can help you know draw you in from the edges you know we have rules and boundaries not because they're restrictions but because they actually help with better freedom you know and you know classic example of football (laughs) you know it has a it has boundaries it has a pitch it has goals it has rules and you know those rules help the players thrive Mm -hmm. they actually are able to express their gifts a lot more because if there wasn't rules, you could hack someone and trip someone and punch someone and you know where you know go take the ball anywhere. But because there's these structures around them, it helps people develop a skill level within that that allows them to thrive and be the best they can be. So rules and regulations aren't there to like pin us in, but they're there to help us to a greater level of freedom within ourselves. So yeah, I think a lot of churches as well. What I've noticed. Um, a lot of them kind of lost sight of the fact that they're trying to help people be like Jesus. And it's more about entertainment than anything. Mm. I've noticed with a lot of churches that there's a lot of, like, just more about drawing people in for the entertainment value. Mm. You know, the, 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 the disciples were called to be fishers of men, right? So the church's role is to fish, to create nets. And <laughs> what we end up doing is building fish tanks and being like, look at how nice our fish tank is. And um, we're called to build the boats that bring us to the people. So, yeah. I think that one is a great place for us to start. Bit of a mic drop, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Boom. I think that's a challenge. Thanks Mm. for joining us, Chris.
thank you for having me. Pleasure. Uh, Bless you guys you to, and everyone listening. Do you want to plug where we can find you online? Yeah. Um, uh, so, uh, Instagram, RevChris7. Uh, on YouTube, just type in RevChris. Um, and um, if you are in London, come see us. And if you want a church community, St. Saviour's Wendell Park. And we do a stream now, um, live stream our service um, for people who are like on the cusps of whether they go to church. Come to us for a bit online and then find a local church. St. Saviour Wendell Park. The main question that we asked in the class. Oh, yeah. The church question. Do you want to ask it, Mike? I remember what I asked. Um, how would you describe the church? Oh, yeah. oh, yes. On or a... Full English? Full English for us. Yeah, very important. Well, well, I, I hope it's a full English, because I love a full <laughs> English. Yeah. 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 Ellie yeah. was really confident. If you offer me an omelette or a full English, <laughs> the omelette is getting thrown aside every time. <laughs> I, I probably would, yeah. I used to live at the Maasai so, um, oh, wow. uh, in Africa. So, yeah, I yeah, definitely like a bit of meat and blood. Great. Thanks everyone for listening. Bye. 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 Bless you.